We're doing a series on callings, on callings. You see, you and I have been called. And if you look at the Word of God, you will see very clearly that the word called there means to call out loud. It's an invitation that every born-again believer has been given from the Lord. We all hear His call. The callings are calling us. Amen. Now, not everyone responds to the call of God. You do not want to be in that category. You do not want to look in the Lord's face when you go to heaven and say, Gee, Lord, I'm sorry. First, you wouldn't want to say, Gee. But you would not want to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I just didn't have time to do what you called me to do. Amen. All of us want to hear this. Well done. The good and faithful servant. And I know that I'm looking at a company of believers today who have a heart to answer the call of God. We talked a little bit last week how that we're called to fellowship, how that we have been called into liberty. And then we discussed very closely the fact that we have been all called according to his purpose. You'll notice that callings and purpose go together. And basically... The calling of God is his invitation for you and I to live his plan for our life. Now this morning I want you to turn with me to the book of Jude, chapter 1. And we're going to be talking today about how that we are all called to live in his love. We are called to live in his love. In Jude 20, uh, verse 1 of, of Jude 1, it says, This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all of you who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? That he loves you and he keeps you safe in his care. One translation says this, I'm writing to all who are called to live in the love of God and in the care of Jesus Christ. God has called you to love you. Amen? The Bible says that we are sons of God. We are daughters of God. In 1 John chapter 3, and notice with me in verse 1, it says, What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us. That we should be named and called and counted the children of God, and so are we. Now here's what happens when we answer the callings of God in our life. Changes take place. Things begin to happen. How many of you can testify to me today that you're not the same person you were 20 years ago? How many of you can say you're not the same person you were a year ago? Why is that? Because we're being changed. You and I, we're going from glory to glory. We're going from one level, from one degree of glory to the next. Amen. And one day, we shall see Him as He is. Oh, that's such good news. Amen. So I encourage you to walk in the glory of God. I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the changes that He wants to see in your life. So as we answer these callings of God in our life, some glorious things happen. Now, when we answer and we determine in our heart that we're going to live in the love of God, here's number one that will happen. 
we will be free from condemnation. Why? Because he has accepted us rather than causing us to be ashamed. In Ephesians 1, in verse 6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace. And the word grace there means favor. Thayer's definition of grace there is to be compassed with favor. When you got born again, when you called on the name of the Lord and you got saved, favor immediately began to compass your life. You're surrounded with the favor of God. And so to the praise of the glory of His grace or His favor, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. I want you to notice this. You do not make yourself acceptable. The blood of Jesus and faith in His blood is what made you acceptable. And that is the reason why a lot of people don't come to Christ because they think they're not good enough. Well, hello, none of us were. All of our righteousness was as filthy rags. You cannot clean yourself up. Let the blood of Jesus clean you up. Let the blood of Jesus make you what you ought to be. You are not the rejected trying to be accepted. You are the accepted and the dirty devil's trying to make you feel rejected. You're accepted in the beloved. God loves you. You are called to live in the love of God. How many of you are going to do it? So this freedom then from condemnation, this freedom from shame. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. In verse 33 it says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God who has made you righteous. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ that died, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. One translation says it this way. If God says His chosen one are acceptable to Him, can anyone bring charges against them? Or can anyone condemn them? What is the answer? The answer is absolutely not. No, indeed. Now notice with me in verse 35. You ready to shout a little bit today? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? How about some tribulation? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril or sword? Absolutely not. It says in verse 36, As it is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long, we're as counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm looking at a bunch of believers today that God says you're accepted and I've made you more than a conqueror because I love you. Now live in my love. Live in the revelation of my love for you. Amen. Amen. Now here's what happens. We get persuaded as a result of that revelation. Verse 38. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, nor things present, or things to come, no matter what's happening now, or what may show up in our lives, neither height, nor depth, or any other created thing, come on somebody, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing's going to separate you. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. So don't be an isolationist. Don't run from God when you've failed and when you've missed it. Turn about face and run to him. Amen. Say it me, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And so this freedom from condemnation is the way you want to live. This freedom from condemnation will keep you out of the comparison trap. This freedom from condemnation will keep you out of the insecurity trap. Looking at yourself. Stop looking at yourself and look to Jesus. Stop looking at what you can do and start looking at what he did. And when you look at what he did, praise God, he will begin to do a mighty work in you. Hey, hallelujah. Philippians says, he who began a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Put your hand over your heart and say, work in me. Holy Spirit. In Jesus name. Amen. A second thing that will happen is not only you will live free from condemnation, but you will live a life that is free from fear. Freedom from fear. When you answer the call, I'm going to live in the love of God. You then can step in and step up to a life of freedom from fear. Now notice with me in Matthew, the sixth chapter. And I want us to look, oh, I think over beginning in verse 25. Matthew, the sixth chapter and the 25th verse. When you have it, say, I have it. In verse 25, the master is speaking to us. He says, therefore, I say unto you. So God's speaking to us. Take no thought for your life. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Nor yet for your body, what you're going to wear. He says, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And then in verse 26, he asks us a question. He said, now look at the fowls of the air, for they don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Thank God we're better than a bird. But I want you to notice that word, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Don't move too quick up there. Your heavenly Father feedeth them. Now that word feedeth there means supports. If he supports the fowls of the air, how much more is he going to support you? I discovered a verse in Hebrews 1.3, and I use it all the time when I fly, that he's upholding all things by the mighty word of his power. Amen. Amen? So when I got on a jet the other day, I said, thank God you're upholding me by the word of your power. Amen. When I hit a little turbulence up in the air, thank you, Lord, you're giving your angels surround it, charge over me. Amen. And in life, we're going to experience some turbulence. In life, we are going to experience some tough spots. But never forget this. Your Father loves you. Your Father has got you. And He will uphold you. Underneath are His everlasting arms. He has literally painted a picture of you on the palm of His hand. 
Woo, hallelujah. In Hebrews, he said, I will never, ever leave you, no forsake you. I will never leave you without support. I will never fail you. Hallelujah. Thank God love never fails. I said love never fails. Never fails what? Never fails to support you. Never fails to uphold you. Never fails to bless your life. Hallelujah. Now we can move on to verse 27. He said, now which of you by taking thought or becoming worried or full of anxiety can add one cubit to his stature? What good has worry done us? What good has yielding to fear done us? It's absolutely done no good for any of us. And then he says in verse 28, why take you thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They tell not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he goes on to say, Therefore, take no thought. When the thoughts come, don't take them. Close the door of your soul on the thoughts of the enemy and open your door of your soul to the thoughts of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Don't take the enemy's thoughts. Don't yield your tongue to doubt and unbelief. Yield your tongue to faith-filled promises. When the enemy comes and says, you'll never have enough to pay your rent, just immediately open up your mouth and say, yeah, but my God supplies all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When the enemy comes along and says, oh man, that pain, you better check it out. It could be this and could be that. No devil, I resist you in Jesus' name. It is not could be. It is a sure thing that he bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases and with his stripes I'm healed. Amen. So don't take the thoughts of the enemy. Live in your calling. Live in the love of God. Stay and abide in the revelation that my God loves me so much that he gave me his word and I'm going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Verse 31. Take no thought saying what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, what are we going to wear. We know that the Gentiles just seek after those things. But your father who loves you knows that you have need of all these things. And here's what he says in verse 33. Ready, read. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Am I looking at a group of seekers? Hey, if you're a seeker of God, you'll get rewarded by God. If you're a seeker of love, you'll be rewarded by love. Oh, amen. He diligently rewards those who seek Him. Put Him first in your life. Put love first in your life. Get the revelation of how much He loves you. And then just go out and love other people. Just go out and be a blessing to other people. Speak a kind word to a weary soul. Be a lifter and be a blesser of people. You know, those of us who have been blessed, we got a responsibility to share the blessing. Those of us who have been so greatly loved by God have a responsibility to love others. Amen? 
and to walk in forgiveness. So never then question his love or his care for your life. Look at another one over in Mark chapter 4. Notice with me in beginning in verse 35. Now this is right after the sower sows the word. Do you realize today that you're getting fed? Say with me, I'm getting something. Amen. Somebody says, man, you sure share a lot of scriptures. That's right. We need to be fed. Now, when I go do lunch today, I don't want to eat just a little thing, you know, whatever I eat. I want the full corn in the ear. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's begin in verse 35, if we could, guys. Thank you so much. I probably put it wrong on the sheet up there. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, And the same day... When the evening was come, he said, let us pass over to the other side. So when he says, we're going, we're going, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him, even if he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. It was a mega storm. And of course, the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now we understand this, that the enemy is not just going to sit by... And let us live life on flowery beds of ease. The storms of life come to all of us. Now, if you're here this morning and you're encountering a storm, it doesn't mean that you're a sinner. It doesn't necessarily mean that you missed God. No, storms come to stop us. And storms come to scare us. But if the enemy cannot scare you, guess what? He can't stop you. Verse 35, well, let's look at the verse uh, 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, and he was asleep on a pillow. In other words, he must have believed firmly what he said, we're going to the other side. Which is a picture of rest. Which is a picture of, if you really believe in your heart and say with your mouth what God is saying to you, those which have believed do enter into rest. And that's what Jesus was doing. And of course, the disciples weren't in that place of rest. They were in a place of worry. They weren't living in the love of God at that particular moment. And so they woke the master up and they said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we are perishing? He's sleeping good. He's sleeping really. How many of you like to really sleep good? I got a key for you. Never go to sleep afraid. Don't watch three or four horror movies that evening and expect to have a good night's rest. No, he's sleeping good and you can sleep good. Here's one of the keys to sleeping real good. Go to sleep with your mind on him. But not only that, go to sleep praising him. A lot of times right before I go to sleep, I'll just lift up my hands. And I'll just say, thank you, Lord. I worship you. I love you, Lord. I magnify your name. Next thing I know, I'm out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Sleeping carefree. No nightmares. No horror coming to me. No torment. You see, fear has torment. But faith brings comfort. And when you enter into the rest of God... Through that avenue of faith, you can expect to sleep really good. 
So what were they doing when they said, Master, don't you care that we perish? They were doing what a lot of us, a lot of us have done. They were questioning his care and his love. And that's the way the enemy works. He works on us to question his care for us. If he loves me, why hasn't this happened yet? It's already happened for Raul. How come it hasn't happened for me? Get out of that, that zone. And know this, that you're highly favored of God. And it's just a question of time before you get to the other side. So don't sweat the storm. Do what Jesus did in the midst of the storm. Live in the love of the Father. Don't give the enemy any place. Notice verse 39. Would you read that with me, please? Ready, read. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased The storm arose, but he arose. Oh, the storm was great, but the greater one got up. Whereas there was once great turbulence, now there's a great calm. And so when the storms arise in our lives, we must do as he did. We must rise up and declare over the storms of our life, what God's word has said, and we too will experience a great calm. Verse 40, And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now here's the truth that we need to embrace today. We should have zero tolerance for fear in our lives. Brother Copeland says it this way, that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Anybody know where fear comes from? Fear's not in you. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but fear comes from the outside. But where is faith? Fear on the outside, faith on the inside. Woohoo! Glory to God. Amen. You have the believer's advantage. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. Let us allow what's on the inside to rise up and put on the run what's on the outside. Say with me, let faith arise and every fear be scattered. When you lift up your voice, it's one thing for Brother George and Brother Raul and Sister Sally. It's one thing for them to lift up their voice, but you have a voice. You must lift up your voice with the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. I just can't help it. I get so excited. Glory to God. There will be thoughts. There will be images. And there will be feelings of fear. But just because you feel fear doesn't mean you need to yield to fear. Amen. I mean, your knees literally may be knocking. That's from the outside. Your palms may be so wet that you can't even shake hands with me after church. But that's all on the outside. 
If you learn to nurture and develop the spirit of faith that's on the inside of you, hallelujah, fear is going to run. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And what will he do? He will run. He will flee from us. So then, what we're saying this morning is live in the love of God. Get a revelation of this. Believe and say today, my father loves me. Say with me, my father, my heavenly father, he loves me. Amen. Look at John 17, verse 23. I'm choosing to believe the best. How about you? That's what love does. When you answer the call of love and you're living his love, you believe the best. You believe the best. Even if things look the worst, you're believing the best. Why? Because you know what God's done for you in the past. Has God done anything for you in your past? What about the rest of you? Has not God been good to you? (laughs) I'm going to ask it again. Has not God... I'm going to ask this full section over here. Has not God been good to you? Amen. Glory to God. I'm calling every chair full. I'm calling this place full of the spirit of faith, full of the spirit of glory. Signs, wonder, miracles happen. Popping like popcorn. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you once again, has not God been good to you? Can you look back and shout about, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He renewed my mind. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise Him all the time. Amen. David said, I've been young. Now I'm a little older. Now you ain't looking at an old man up here. You're looking at a man whose youth is being renewed like the eagles every day. Just like yours is. Amen. Glory to God. But here's what David said, Frank. He said, I've been young, now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. You know what David was saying? God has always been there. He is my shepherd. He supplies my every need. I shall not want. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't live by look like. Look like we're going down. Live by faith. And walk by faith. And not by sight. Amen. Amen. So I ask you again. Can you trace back and see what the Lord's done? Now here's the good news. He ain't done. He ain't done yet. A thousand years from now. Now we won't be in California. As far as I know. But a thousand years from now, we'll still be experiencing the goodness of God. Hallelujah. hallelujah. And if you haven't tasted and you haven't seen that the Lord is good, I want to quote what the psalmist said. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you do that, you'll begin to magnify him. You will not be able to contain yourself because you'll just be so full of joy because of the goodness of God. Amen. And this goodness that you experience, 
then can begin to operate and function through you. You see, when people see what the Lord has done for you, they may not understand it. But you can just tell them, you know, God's been so good to me. And He's no respecter of persons. You see, the Bible says that the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. Think about it. When they see His goodness in your life, and they see an authentic Christian who is a seeker first of the kingdom of God, when people see that, they want what you have. And you'll be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, and He can be your shepherd too. Hallelujah. So John 17, verse 23. Jesus said, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, And that the world may know that you have sent me and you have loved them. This is talking about us. Jesus is saying you've loved those at heart of the bay as you've loved me. My father and your father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Hallelujah. And then go to 1 John chapter 4 and notice with me in verse 16. I mean, though God is love, He just doesn't have love. He is love. And I've chosen to live in the love of God. I'm answering that call. How about you? Verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth or liveth in love dwelleth in God. Can't separate it. And God, or love, in Him. Hallelujah. You know what? You cannot be better loved when He loves you. And so then, we can become developed in the love of God. In verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, what are we? Man, that's, that's strong there, isn't it? As He is, so are we when we get to heaven. No, thank God as He is, so are we right now. Isn't that right, Ronnie? Woo, glory to God. Now notice here in verse 18, there is no fear in what? But what does perfect love do? Perfect love casts out fear. Dread does not exist when we answer this call to live in His love. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. Hallelujah. So since He loves us so much, we don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. Since He loves us so much, we don't have to be afraid of global warming. Since He loves us so much, we don't have to be afraid of the earth going down the tubes before it's time. Somebody says, do you believe in global warming? I've taken it a step further. I believe in global melting. What does that mean? This whole earth is going to go up in consummation of fire, but not until the right time. Amen? 
So people that are saying, you know, the earth is going to run out, this, that, and the other, come on, give me a break. God's bigger than that. I said God's bigger than that. And you will find that the most people that are talking about that are not godly. (laughs) Hallelujah. How many of you are planning on eating three years from now? How many plan to be able to, you know, have electricity in your home? You know, they were doing work outside of our home there in Union City and the water went off, man. I thought, persecution. I didn't have my shoes on, but I was about to get in my car and drive down the street and say, what's happening? No, thank God, there's no shortage. There's no water shortage. Are you listening to me? There's gold in them thar hills. The silver and the gold are His. And what is His is mine. What is His is yours. Because we're heirs. Come on, I'm preaching good. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. So let then your faith work by this revelation of the love of God. How many of you recognize that God's got a path for you? He has a path. The path of the righteous, the Bible says, gets brighter and brighter. The path of the unrighteous gets darker and darker. It does. Darkness is going to cover this whole earth. But oh, thank God. You and I are not of darkness. We are delivered from darkness. And we are children of the light. And we're answering that call in Isaiah, arise and shine. Come on, somebody. Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm looking at a congregation today of sons and daughters of glory. The captain of our salvation, Jesus, gave his life to bring his sons and his daughters to glory. Amen. So listen very carefully, just these last couple moments. There's a path that God has for all of us. And on this path, there are callings, and they're calling us. Don't allow fear to stop you or to hinder you on God's path He has for you. Now listen very carefully. Fear and yielding to fear gives the enemy access or an entry point into your path. Fear does that. But oh, thank God. Faith. I said faith. Faith gives God access and entry into your path. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. So let's all stand up and say, thank God. I'm choosing to live in the love of God. God loves you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I gave my heart to Jesus many, many years ago and I'm so thankful that I know I'm on my way to heaven. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But it's not about man's work. It's about His work on Calvary and His death and His burial and His resurrection.
as every head is bowed and every eye is closed.